Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. This is March 7th, 2021. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. We have quite a lineup today. First of all, obviously, we need to talk about Ben. He just nailed down his contract. Some of the terms are still murky, but I think we have a general idea. A Steelers alum made a quick trip around the NFL and may be available at a critical position. We'll talk about that. Chris Sims, you probably all know, Nick refers to him quite a bit, put out his top six quarterback list. Always controversial, always interesting. We'll talk about whether and how that affects the Steelers draft. And finally, we'll get into the meat of this podcast, which is to review the offensive line, specifically offensive tackle candidates that are in the draft. Nicholas we got some excitement coming for you guys today. Whether it's alums, legends, maybe future legends, I am pretty pumped to be getting some answers soon. I know you and I have talked about that a lot on the show recently. Franchise tag, deadline, uh, obviously not relevant for the Steelers, but it's really the first pebble that tumbles before the avalanche, as they say. I believe Plato said that. Free agency coming up. The Steelers are going to get a lot of answers soon, and Ben restructuring his contract is a big part of that. From rare dead stock to the latest released, you can find the exact sneaker you're looking for on eBay. It's true. I've done it many times. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. In partnership with eBay, Armchair Media will be raffling off four custom-made sneakers. Each purchase you make before March 31st through ebay.com slash sneakers will enter you into a drawing for a -a one-of-a-kind pair of Air Force One Low tops, my goodness. I don't know if we're allowed to sing the song, Big Boy Stomping the Mud. I don't know if there's a lawsuit there, but if you know, you know. Just send a screenshot of your purchase to at Armchair Media on Twitter or on Instagram. Look, I literally just bought a pair off of uh, a pair of shoes off of eBay three or four days ago, and uh, it's the way to go. So make sure that you go to that. Uh, uh, send in that screenshot of your purchase to Armchair Media on Twitter or Instagram. BetOnline.ag. You already know. If you're a new listener to the podcast, maybe you don't. So let me tell you. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. NBA is in full swing and college basketball is coming to the end here. The schools are making their way to the madness. You know that. I know that. Why don't we make some money off of that? The tournament is coming and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest, as Bet Online is the spot to be for all your bracketology needs. Bet Online has you cover for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. 
Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. I know that your favorite athlete ever in the world Baron for all time, Ben yeah. Roethlisberger, um, you're enamored of him. I frankly don't want to spend one more episode on him, but we do have to mention the, <laughs> the brand spanking news that he's agreed to a deal, which starts clarifying the picture for the Steelers. A deal that uh, saw him give up $5 million in salary, uh, totally not not restructured, but a new deal that goes five years. So Ben has agreed to a million dollar salary, a million seventy five thousand to be exact. And he had a signing bonus of almost thirteen million dollars. So he's guaranteed fourteen million dollars this year. All other money that he was due gets pushed out through twenty twenty five. The dead cap pit that he represents, at least in this year, had been forty one. And of course, he did give up $5 million, so the dead cap hit becomes 35 almost irrelevant. What we have done, once again, is push out the pain into the future. And frankly, it's not a lot of pain. It's you know $13 million pushed out into the future into what are called voidable years. And what that means is Ben is not guaranteed. They, they do not negotiate a base salary for those future years. Every year can be ignored. Unfortunately, what happens is any dead money, all the future years would be would come due in the year he decides not to. They don't contract with him. Does that make sense? So this is this is basically a one year deal. Who knows what will happen after twenty twenty one? If he is done after twenty twenty one, the Steelers will have to eat about um, thirteen million dollars. Not so bad when you think about no. the fact that the cap, the full salary cap this yep. past year was one hundred ninety eight million. We think it's going to be about 185, so a significant decrease, but it's estimated to pop up to almost $210 million in 2022. So you could easily absorb that $13 million if you know there's not yet another contract with Ben in it. Thoughts? Yeah, so Ben put his money where his mouth is. I mean, of course, everyone somehow found a way to trash him for it in the national media, but we know that's tradition. Look. Ben taking a pay cut was actually a slight surprise. We mentioned that in this idealistic world, people think that NFL players can take pay cuts, but it doesn't work like that for a few reasons. I mean, first off, the NFLPA oftentimes will come to these players and say like, hey, look, you can't play for under your market value because you're going to be screwing over quarterbacks in the future and their negotiations where their agents or, you know, those teams can point to, oh, Ben Roethlisberger took less, so you're not worth more than Ben Roethlisberger was this year. So it's, a, it's in the interest of the whole league, the players got to keep their salaries relatively fair. Uh, for the people saying, of course he had to lower his salary, he's not worth what his last contract was. His last contract for Ben was paying him like a top 10, top 5 NFL quarterback, and he's just not that anymore. And to me, I'm like, look, I don't know how many times we have to, to go over this, but are you going to repay him for two Super Bowls on a rookie contract? Are you going to go back and pay him that money? Contracts don't work that way. They got some free labor off of him or some extremely cheap labor off of him early. If he gets some expensive labor off of them later, it, it sort of evens out that way. But I'll just kind of conclude two last little things. It's great to see him do this uh, to take the hit for the team. Um, basically what it does is it gets them back to even with the cap, right? 
Everybody says they're saving, what, $15 million or something like that. Oh, my goodness. That, isn't that exactly what Juju Smith-Schuster is worth? Are they going to sign Juju the way Ben wanted them to? I mean, no. What we hope is that they sign Cam Hilton. <laughs> Whoa. If they could sign Cam Hilton, if they could somehow combine Mike Hilton and Cam Sutton, then all these problems would be gone. But if that's not a possibility, look, we talked about it ad nauseum. Hilton and Sutton are two major key pieces who the Steelers would like to, uh, Steelers would like to retain. They're probably only going to be able to retain one. The odds are that would be Cam Sutton. This deal would help them do that. This deal helps them get cap compliant. Juju staying, it just doesn't seem like it makes any sense, right? They've only really given... Heinz Ward and A.B., long-term deals for receivers, especially when you go back like I did yesterday and watch Chase Claypool's rookie highlights and you realize, yeah, this is a top 10 receiver in the league if everything goes right. If Ben's aggressive, if he keeps working, if they develop Chase Claypool the way that they've developed Juju and Martavis and A.B. and all these other guys, hopefully Deontay, there's just too many other places in need where Juju's going to walk. So, no, I do not think it opens the door back up for Juju or Bud or any of that. But it is the first domino that needed to fall in the Steelers' quest to deal with this crazy cap situation. I said at the top of the show that we are going. We have a, a Steelers alumni who may be available to us almost a year ago to today, actually March 17, 2020. B.J. Finney went to Seattle for a two-year, $8 million deal. Four and a half of mil, which was guaranteed, and uh, was promptly sent in October to Cincinnati. Now Cincinnati's cut him. BJ's out there for a critical position. What do you think? Grab him? Is there a potential grabbing him? Yeah, it's a no-brainer. They got to grab him. There are some red flags for sure with BJ Finney. The fact that he went to Seattle and to Cincinnati, two teams with horrific offensive lines, and he couldn't even stick with either one of the teams. So did you read the background on that? What do you mean? So the background is, if you're to believe this, when he went to Seattle, he basically bubble-wrapped himself because his guarantee was predicated on his passing the medical. Right, right, right. Seattle was shut down, couldn't give him a medical, so he really ratcheted back his training. He showed up at training camp heavier than his, than his playing weight and not, frankly, I guess, not in shape. And that was the argument that was poured forth. Other people are saying, well, other people, you know, managed to stay in shape. But I think there is something to like, I can't even tweak my, I can't risk tweaking my back and going into this thing. This is the payday of a lifetime he's, he's got on the line. That's a great point. And what, he's one year removed, basically, from playing for the Steelers, where we had a massive sample size of him playing. He played in a lot of games, and he looked very good in a lot of them. We're not saying he's going to be a Pro Bowl lineman, but we are saying He's way better than any center in particular. We know Finney played a lot more guard, but he, well, he played a lot of both. He played a lot of center, a lot of guard for the Steelers. But the Steelers, we've, you know, we've said this before, they've drawn the blueprint for us. They're going to go try to get very cheap veteran free agents to fill positions that literally don't have starters. So like there is no starting center right now. If you can go and grab a guy whose value should be pretty low based on him getting run out of Seattle and Cincinnati, a guy who's been in Pittsburgh before, I could see him wanting to come back to Pittsburgh to resurrect his career. Now you have a guy who, if Finney is starting day one, you're not in total disaster mode like you are now. Plus, he gives you the flexibility to play guard or center. And given what you said about the medical history there and him wanting to secure that payday, which was a huge payday from Seattle. Remember, we talked about that last year. That sucks we lost him, but wow, take that money. Same thing with Jesse James. The Steelers love bringing these guys back in, these role players, whether it was... 
you know, Brian McFadden or Antoine Randall L, even my one of my original favorites. They bring these guys back to Pittsburgh. That seems to work really well. Plus, it it fits their situation with hey, we're gonna we're gonna you know bring a guy in here. It was Wisnowski last year, right? To to make sure that there's not a critical red alert at a position of need. I'm, I'd be willing to take a risk on the guy. I don't even think it's that big of a risk, to be honest with you. So hopefully we're able to see BJ Finney back in a Steelers uniform pretty soon here. Right. With the added benefit of no miles this last year, he didn't take one single offensive snap. He had a few special team snaps. So he is rested and tan for 2021. <laughs> I don't know if that's good for Lyman or if they just eat in that meantime, but we'll find out. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right, let's go on to one of your favorite things to break down, and that is Sims' top six quarterbacks in the draft. So we have a truncated show today because schedules uh, determine that, right? So I won't go on the rant I usually like to go on with Chris Sims, who to me is really – to me, he is the number one analyst, Uh, honestly. Like nobody has the combination of tape breakdown, which you really need to be an excellent analyst. You need to be breaking down tape, and you need to break down a lot of it and more than one team. You can't just get tunnel vision with your Steelers or your Ravens or whatever it is because you need to be able to compare teams to one another to really get an idea of how good players are, how good schemes are, right? So he breaks down tape of the entire league constantly all week long, and then he takes it to another level because a lot of tape breakdown guys, there's no personality. Spend too much time breaking down tape. Well, Sim's got a great personality, very engaging, and he makes the concepts easy to understand and translate. Uh, so, you know, I'm a big fan. And then on top of it, he's got a humility to him. He will admit if he's wrong on a take, he's not going to put people down, and it's just an easy listen to. So he has so much good information, very forward thinking, not to mention well connected in the NFL. Everybody knows Kyle Shanahan, his best friend. Uh, that's a pretty good guy to know in there. So, I'm just prefacing this to say also maybe the the coup de grace for Sims has been his 
NFL draft quarterback breakdowns. A lot of people came out in defense of him. You have to defend the guy in social media because, I don't know, is it because he works for NBC? Is it because people are mad because his dad, Phil Sims, is a famous quarterback? But a lot of people like to crap on Sims for his quarterback lists. Even Kurt Warner said a couple years ago when he had Tom Brady and Drew Brees at number 10 and 11 in the quarterback list below guys like Rodgers and Mahomes and Wilson and and real superstars. People got pissed at him just because he put those famous names there at 10. And that seems to have followed him around for years now, right? Um, Even though those guys were in their late 30s, early 40s and not the same type of player. So a lot of people came out in defense of him when he put out this shocking top six quarterback list uh, for the NFL draft. you go back and you look at the guy's history. He was first, first, not second, not third, not one of the early adopters, first to Patrick Mahomes, months before anyone even had him on their radar. I saw someone make a comment, oh, are you giving Chris Sims credit for getting Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, Mahomes went 10th in the draft, you guys. Mahomes wasn't, he was considered a Texas Tech quarterback when he was coming out, which means don't touch him. They're going to throw for a lot of yards. They're not the real guy. He was calling him Brett Favre way before. His, his initial, uh, you know, his rankings for the Lamar Jackson class, he had Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen as number one, and he said they're quite a far distance uh, ahead of the other guys. So he's really first to a lot of these takes. He hung on with Josh Allen for the, uh, all the years when People are saying, oh, he's not accurate. This isn't going to work. He's called these things well in advance. Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, he agreed with the consensus there. Uh, so it's not like he's a shock jock looking for clicks. I have to preface all of that for anybody who doesn't read or listen to his stuff. Because Trevor Lawrence is not his number one quarterback. I wish that I had the balls to say this on the show earlier. Patrick and I, P. Butch and I have talked about this a lot. Trevor Lawrence has been the golden child for two years. Tank for Trevor, just like Tank for Tua. When we see Trevor Lawrence... We saw a quarterback who's definitely worth a number one overall pick and a first-round top 10 type of guy, but not. we never saw the Andrew Luck type talent, the guarantee. The, there's only two guys. There's John Elway and there's Andrew Luck, the guarantees, uh, number one slam dunk pick. That's what people were comparing Trevor Lawrence to, whereas we saw him like this guy has amazing traits, but he's a little bit erratic. He misses some random throws. He doesn't do a ton of reading of defenses. He needs a little seasoning. He's probably worth a number one pick in the draft overall. But, like, what's up with people calling him Andrew Luck? I just don't see that. Well, Sim sees it the same way. So he released his list. Number one, Zach Wilson, who, damn it, was my favorite quarterback. I should have put it out there. Whenever you see the guys who have that Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, um, Uh, Patrick Mahomes type of flicking of the ball. They can throw from any arm platform. Wish I could put this video up here. (laughs) Throw from any angle. The accuracy, the spiral never changes. Those are the guys who are becoming the special NFL superstars. Josh Allen's another one of them, right? So he has him at one, Trevor Lawrence at two. Shockingly has Mac Jones at three. Steelers fans, that's something we'll be looking into. After that, Kellen Mond. A guy who I have barely looked at at all from Texas A&M. And then all the way at five, Justin Fields and six, Trey Lance. Sims, who has been dead on with these quarterback rankings recently, thinks all six guys could go in the top first, in the top round of the draft. This affects the Steelers. Number one, if there's four or five quarterbacks who go before pick 24 when the Steelers pick, some of those premier offensive tackles are going to slip to the Steelers. I think the Steelers are in a position where they might get caught taking more of an early second round type tackle at 24, and you don't really love that. But what if you get a David DeCastro? I mean, obviously a guard, but DeCastro and Shazier were top 12 type players who slipped to the Steelers more around 20. 
that can happen again this year. That happens with great quarterback classes. So that is a big help for the Steelers if one of these great offensive linemen who we know the Steelers need are going to slide to them. The other thing is maybe Trey Lance is available. Maybe there is a guy like Trey Lance or, or Justin Fields who could be a developmental project, the perfect scenario for the Steelers, getting to sit behind Ben for one year, a la Patrick Mahomes behind uh, Alex Smith. You know, we've all, I've always said, put the guy in the field right away. You know, I, I, don't, I think the days of having guys sit is a little behind us. But in certain scenarios, it works. Mahomes, very raw guy from Texas Tech Air Raid. You got to play on a really good team behind a great veteran quarterback. Trey Lance, the guy's played 11 games like ever, 11 or 12 games ever, it would be a perfect situation for him to sit behind Ben. Um, but we'll get into all of this. We'll get into quarterbacks more in depth later. I just thought that, you know, it's a seismic article and, and podcast episode that, that Sims released with that type of grading for the quarterbacks. And so maybe guys end up, uh, you know, guys slip to 15, Steelers trade up for a quarterback. Maybe it lets uh, great offensive linemen slip to them. I guess we'll move on now before I talk about the social anger that I have of people coming out against Chris Sims, who's one of the good guys, one of the humble guys who studies the tape, admits when he's wrong, but gets a crap load of things right. And then nobody apologizes to him. Like people get mad at him for not putting Ben on the top 10 QB list when the Steelers were 11-0. and And like you said earlier, that's my favorite athlete of all time. You think Ben was a top 10 quarterback this year, huh? Did anybody go back and apologize to him? No. Come on. We're above that. But interesting things coming for the Steelers here in the draft with the amount of quarterbacks that are available. Before we start our annual review of potential draft choices for the Steelers, by the way, these guys are generally not the fleet of foot that we normally see, but maybe they could get faster if they hit up our new sponsor. Why don't you get some sneaks, boys? Get some eBay sneakers. Get some hyper boosts. Get some fly knit Nike mesh running shoes. Well, guess what? ebay.com slash sneakers that's where you got to go ebay's got you covered on it's the best sneaker market sneaker marketplace in the galaxy in addition armchair media is going to be raffling off four custom made sneakers in a drawing if you just send a screenshot of your purchase to at armchair media on twitter or instagram they're raffling off some of these air force one low tops baby that's good stuff whether it's rare dead stock or the latest release find the exact shoe you're looking for on ebay take a screenshot of your purchase send it to at armchair media on twitter or instagram Bet online, baby. BetOnline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. March Madness is here. Make some money. NFL free agency here. Make some money. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to enter your best, your bets, and it's free to sign up. Not bad. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, futures bet on the Steelers Super Bowl. Cha-ching, your online sportsbook experts. So I know you have spent an inordinate amount of time on our avocation rather than your vocation this past couple of weeks looking at players, and we are starting with offensive tackles. So today we're just going to give you kind of a, a toe dip in the water of the offensive tackle board for the Steelers. I've taken a look at a lot of these prospects and you know my specialty in the draft is is more 
quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, skill position type players. Although I like to think that I've gotten a lot better with the offensive line, um, you know, scouting. And then obviously I feel good about the skill positions on defense as well. But there's a lot of offensive linemen. And particularly offensive tackles is what we're talking about today because we know the Steelers' offseason priority number one is fix this offensive line. Yes, fix the running game as well, but the offensive line is critical. Marquise Pouncey, the starting center, is gone. However, there really is not center first there's not first round centers this year. There's a bunch of guys we'll talk about who you could pick up in the second round or find some other creative way to get them, but there's nobody at twenty four you'd feel good about taking, but there will be some offensive tackles there. And like we said, if all these quarterbacks get taken, they might slide to you. So why don't I start with the headliner? A reach, a probably not going to happen type of guy. And that is Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech. I'm going to give you his measurements right now, but just assume they're all basically the same size, these guys. Everybody is 6'5", 315, 320, uh, whatever it happens to be. But Christian Derisaw is a four-year starter, super beast, from Virginia Tech. And when you watch him compared to a lot of these other prospects, like I didn't even watch the guy from uh, Penny Sewell from from Oregon who's considered a top 10 pick kind of guy, but I assume, you know, this is usually what you see on these blue trip prospects tape. Derisaw bursts off the screen. The rest of these tackles have big games, but this guy is faster. He's more aggressive. He's more explosive. He's decisive. He's twitching. He's more powerful than all the rest of the guys we're going to talk about here. Not to mention he was already a beast as a freshman starter for Virginia Tech and got better every single year. You know, one site that I utilized for uh, this offensive lineman scouting is the Draft Network. We're going to shout them out a lot. You know, they had John Ledyard, an old uh, great Steelers beat writer, no longer with the Steelers beat. He's moved down to Tampa Bay, covers them. I guess, you know, we could say this, you know, Leftwich and Antoine Randall over there. But uh, he helped start this website. I don't think it works there anymore. But the Draft Network is an awesome place to get info on prospects. So something I like to do with the offensive line is I kind of just collect the list over Twitter and over big boards over the couple months. And then I watch them myself. And then with the position like offensive line where I'm still, you know, not getting my sea legs under me, but perfecting my evaluation process for them. I like to compare it with some of the stuff the Draft Network says. So give them a, we want to make sure we give them a shout out in this. Uh, great place to get information. But yeah, they, they love Christian Derrissaw. Everybody loves Christian Derrissaw. And when you watch him, you just see a, a monster who is eating people alive. Explosive in the pass game aggressive and bearing people in the run game and the type of guy that falls into the DeCastro Shazier mold of like, he's not going to be available at 24, but you never know. If that guy slipped, it's, it's a home run pick for the Steelers. So you'd love to see him there. Let's move on to some of the other guys. Okay. Two names, seniors who were on the Steelers radar and a lot of early mock drafts, like even before the Super Bowl. It's Sam Cosme from Texas and Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. So let's start with Sam Cosme. This dude's a little bigger. He's 6'7". Shades of Alejandro Villanueva. He's very tall. So you know as an offensive lineman, that can be – it can create some challenges in being able to get low against edge rushers. Think James Harrison. The guy runs with one shoulder scraping the ground. So it takes a high level of athleticism just to be able to move around in that frame. And, and Cosme has that. But – He's not super athletic as a result of that length, right? He's good in pass protection. When I was watching, he was very good at 
picking up stunts and looping defenders. That means he has good communication and a good understanding of where he's supposed to be and what the offensive line likes to do. That's going to really help for the Steelers. He also can play both sides. He can play either tackle with and where the Steelers are at right now, big question marks at right or left tackle. Maybe Banner is going to go start at left tackle, but he started at right tackle last year. This could be very valuable for them. The negative side for him, besides that height that I was me- uh, mentioning, is like he's not super aggressive, and he definitely could add some more muscle. I think I saw somewhere there he was listed as 300 pounds. He's got to be. He's definitely more than that. But you can tell. I mean, he's not a skinny guy. He's a monster, but he could add some muscle to get some power. So that's the report on Sam Cosme. The only asterisk I gave him is the same asterisk I'm going to give Alex Leatherwood. He got beat up at the senior senior bowl. He was not good that week. That is a red flag to me. This is not a guy I would love taking at 24, and neither is Leatherwood. I would not be upset if they took them. I'm not saying it's an Artie Burns, Terrell Edmonds situation, but you know you are reaching a little bit on a position of need. If you're going to take Cosme or Leatherwood, I would prefer that the Steelers buck their old trend and actually trade it back into the early second round and grab these guys if that were even a possibility. No, Kevin Colbert has never done that before, but you know he had never gone out and signed a cornerback like Joe Hayden. He had never traded a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick, so these things could happen. So Alex Leatherwood is the tackle from Alabama. He is similar to Cosme uh, in, in where I value them, but he is he's beef. He is a big beefy man he, he he carries that it is obvious that this is an offensive lineman let's just say that the belly's hanging out the bottom there it's not bad he is more of a guard tackle hybrid he's only six five tiny man you know um guard tackle hybrid the Steelers do they do value that you know filer obviously has played a lot of both he's more solid build than cosme but he does struggle a little bit with pass rushers who have like counter moves and multi-step plans that's what i noticed a lot like if you're just doing regular pass rush he'll be fine with you if he's blocking in the run game he's aggressive you're really gonna like him there but if you have a spin move or let's say there's a stunt where it's like okay the guy in front of him goes to the inside and the guy to his right comes around to him He struggles a little bit with that, especially if that guy coming towards him stunts and then gives him like a move. That's some technique-related mental stuff. So that could improve, but that's kind of my report on him. So three more guys real quick before we wrap up here. Tevin Jenkins, Rex Specs. Just take him. This is Oklahoma State, 6'5", 320. Another guy with guard tackle flexibility. That is attractive for the Steelers. I think when you get a tackle in the first round, though, like when I think of first-round tackles, I want a tackle. I want a guy who's going to play out there. But we've seen how valuable it is for the Steelers to be able to move guys around. And this guy, honestly, he does scream tackle to me. It's just a, a large man coming from an air raid system with Oklahoma State, which basically the Steelers were playing a crappy air raid last year, so they'll like that. But he has a mean streak. He finishes people off. Actually, John Ledyard, who I mentioned earlier, at John Ledyard on Twitter, had a, has a nice article up on him uh, uh, from pewterreport.com a Buccaneers website, where it shows him just burying people. And you don't even need to look at the the article to find him burying people. You can just look up his YouTube tape. But the Steelers are going to love that. He likes finishing blocks, getting people on the ground. They want to make a new attitude in the run game. They saw where they went wrong that way. Jerome Bettis has talked about it publicly. That is going to be really attractive to them. The reason why, okay, now on the negative time, or the negative side, the reason why he's projected as maybe being a guard, he for a tall guy, he actually has very short range. Like his short, he has short arms, and that is difficult when you play 
tackle. Uh, no Oklahoma State lineman has really been drafted since Ru- Russell Okung. I mean, definitely not in the first round, but that was you know 2010 when Russell Okung, decent lineman out in Seattle, and I guess he played for the Broncos later. He got drafted. But once again, don't scout the helmet, scout the player. If you scouted the helmet, Patrick Mahomes wouldn't have gone in the draft because Texas Tech quarterbacks haven't succeeded. So he's a another one. If he's at 24, you feel better about him than the other two guys that I mentioned, Cosme and Leatherwood, but not as good as Christian Derisaw. So the last two guys I'll mention, Jalen Mayfield, offensive tackle from Michigan, put five stars next to this guy. He he checks every box for the Steelers. He's a major school guy. He has major size and athleticism, 6'5", 320, and he has upside. So that's also the downside against him is he only has 15 career starts. He only played in two games in the COVID year, so he's a slight projection. He is a right tackle. He could switch sides, but the guy's a tackle. He has the super athletic pedigree. He played for a major school. You got to see him play against premier pass rushers like Chase Young and uh, Gross Matos uh, with Michigan's big-time schedule. But the Steelers love the guys who have some upside, and he has all the measurables. So I would not be shocked if Mayfield is the pick. And might be a slight projection there, but you got to feel pretty good about it. And the last guy is Liam, what is his name, Eichenberg from Notre Dame. Again, Checks a lot of the Steelers' boxes. Notre Dame offensive lineman, that's generally been a safe bet in the past few years. He is definitely a left tackle. That'll be attractive for the Steelers. He's got good technique in his pass sets. Could be a little bit better, like, on double teams and, and stuff. You're seeing that. The, the super athletic guys, they generally go in the top 10, top 12. Um, he's better in the run game when he's crashing down on people. So the Steelers are going to like that. Uh, but the only thing about him and why he's not listed higher is he does have some athletic limitations. He's not a freak. So if he's going to be your left tackle and he's playing against Miles Garrett, it is a little bit scary. But once again, that's what you're getting when you're picking at 24. This is still a guy who looks like a, a surefire NFL tackle. Um, are you going to be thrilled about it at 24? Maybe, maybe not. But uh, you wouldn't be... You wouldn't be horribly mad about it. So there you go. We got uh, Cosme and Leatherwood. Christian Derrissaw would be the the coup de grace. Tevin Jenkins, Rex Specs from Oklahoma State. Jalen Mayfield, Steelers prototype from Michigan. And Liam Eichenberg, if I'm saying his name correctly, from offensive tackle. And, uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see if the Steelers get one of them at 24, if they trade back and can nab one of them in the early second round. But you know they have to take a tackle relatively early. Woo! Nicholas, a tour de force. Well done. Right. I know you wanted to bite this position off first. I mean, this, this, these are tough to scout, and they're just tough to scout, right? I mean, there's so much you have to know about these guys and the, the inner workings of the whole offensive line. Uh, congratulations and thanks for doing all that work. I look forward to seeing if you uh, have correctly prognosticated the Steelers' first or second round pick. Oh, yeah, and whenever they pick these guys, that's when we do go in depth like crazy. So I'll watch like two, three games of these guys for my preliminary reports here, and then we'll watch two, three more uh, whenever they actually We're going to continue to bring you a look at the prime prospects to prepare you for the draft upcoming on April 29th. Next week, we'll also look at rule changes that the owners will be considering during their March 30th, 31st meeting. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye.